Hello everyone. I wonder if you sometimes feel that life is meaningless. World events are certainly confusing and often appear to be out of control. The church seems to have lost its grip and to be more and more marginalised. And when we pray, it doesn't seem to make much difference. So what's the point of it all? Where are we heading, if anywhere at all? If you ever feel like that, tempted to give up and to give in to despair, then this sermon is for you. We continue with the season of Epiphany, which does not just mean the coming of the Magi. The word Epiphany means appearance, a moment of insight when something is revealed. God sometimes pulls back the curtains so we get glimpses of insight into who he really is and what is really going on. Well, we need that, don't we? I've chosen to focus on the reading from Revelation chapter 5. It's one of my favourite chapters in the Bible, along with chapter 4, which sets the scene for it. In chapter 4, we find an open door in heaven and an invitation, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. St John enters and sees the throne room of heaven. There's someone seated on the throne surrounded by a rainbow, cherubim and 24 elders, all worshipping constantly, and a crystal sea. All is splendid beyond imagination. The worship proclaims God's holiness and acknowledges him as creator of all things. That sets the scene for chapter 5. In verse 1, John notices that someone on the throne is holding something a sealed scroll. It has seven seals. Now seven's a number which represents God in his perfection and he holds the scroll written on both sides. Presumably this is the plan for the future which God has written and which John was invited to see. But the scroll is sealed and an angel asks who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? A search begins, but it's hopeless. No one can possibly open this scroll. Who could approach the throne of God himself in all this splendour? And John begins to weep because the scroll remains sealed and it looks as if it will never be opened. The future which he was invited to see is hidden. Are these tears of disappointment and frustration? Is John baffled at the apparent meaningless of all this? These are emotions we can understand as we live through the twists and turns of this pandemic. We would love to hear some explanation or to have a route map. But even as John begins to despair, one of the elders speaks to him. Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Now I love this. It's not an angel who knows, but an elder, a human representative of God's people who knows the answer. And what is he saying? The lion of the tribe of Judah is the promised descendant of King David, the Messiah. Every Christmas we are reminded that Jesus is of the line of David, born in David's royal city. Here the Messiah is also called 
the root of David. Although he's a shoot from the stump of Jesse, David's father, he's also the root. He's the source as well as the descendant. This phrase suggests his divinity as well as his humanity. And he has conquered, he has faced death and Satan and won. The lion is the king of beasts, fierce and powerful. Therefore he can open the scroll and the seven seals. He is worthy and qualified to do so. So there is hope and meaning. Weep no more. Then in verse 6, I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the centre of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat upon the throne. John looks up from his tears, expecting to see a majestic lion. But there is a lamb, bearing the fatal wounds of sacrifice. John does not see him come in. In fact, we come to realise he was there all along because where does John see this lamb? He's standing at the centre of the throne. Now, if we think of an earthly monarch seated on a great throne, it would be impossible for another person to occupy the throne at the same time. Yet this lamb, who is also called a lion, can stand in the middle of the throne of our creator God himself without any disturbance to either. This vision tells us that the Messiah, the Lion, the Lamb and the Creator are one. And the elders and the cherubim surround the Lamb on the throne, just as they surround the Creator on the throne. The Lamb has seven horns and seven eyes. This is an image which we find hard to imagine and even harder to understand. Well, in the Bible, horns represent power and authority and the word is often used for kings. Seven means God's perfection, so this lamb shares God's power. He also shares his sevenfold spirit, here represented as eyes which see everything, everywhere. Did you know that Queen Elizabeth I had herself painted in a gown covered with eyes and ears? This was a visual statement that she knew what was going on in her kingdom. She also had an impressive network of spies who kept her informed. The lamb now approaches to take the scroll. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. And here we see that Jesus is worshipped in heaven, just as the creator is. The word Trinity does not appear in the Bible. It's a word which early theologians coined to summarise what's being revealed here and elsewhere in Scripture. God is Father, Son and Spirit, each distinct yet completely at one. They share the throne as one God forever. The word Trinity came later, but the concept was around from the start of the Christian message. And this lion lamb was the one who could approach the Father and open the scroll. He can unlock the meaning of history. So on to the next bit. Each one of the elders had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, 
which are the prayers of God's people. The idea of heaven being a place where we play harps perhaps came from this verse. But let's pause to consider that the prayers of God's people, your prayers and mine, are being held before God. They are not ignored or lost or forgotten. Our prayers are presented to the very throne of God and the Lamb. And later in Revelation 8 verses 3 to 5, we discover that these prayers are instrumental in bringing about God's purposes and bringing this world's history to its conclusion. Our prayers matter, so let's not get discouraged about praying. Verse 9, they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. The song of heaven is now directed towards the Lamb and what he's achieved on the cross. Here's a vision of the worldwide reach of that sacrifice, purchasing people from every tribe and language and people and nation. People from all groups are included and welded together to make a kingdom and a priesthood to serve our God. Now God spoke to Israel through Moses at Sinai. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's Exodus chapter 19. But now, because of the sacrifice of the Lamb, people from all nationalities and ethnicities are included in that overarching purpose of God. We are a kingdom, and we are priests, offering worship and praise, and presenting our petitions to God on behalf of others. What a privilege. The rest of the chapter swells the chorus of praise to the Lamb. A vast crowd of angels joins in and then every creature under heaven. He is worthy of it all. So what will we take away from all this? I hope you have a fresh vision of who Jesus is and how utterly central he is to the history of the planet. I hope you take fresh courage from this vision. And when you pray, remember that your prayers are being gathered in a golden bowl in the throne room of heaven, where they are as incense offered to God. In God's good time, they will bring about his purposes for the world. As I wrote this, verses from two old hymns came to mind. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Written 1774 by William Cowper. And this one. Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring. For his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. That's John Newton in 1779. These old saints knew what they were talking about. Let's take fresh courage. Amen. <laughs>